Good morning. Don't mind the shrubbery that blew in from outside. I'm just kidding. It's Palm Sunday. The triumphant entry. I don't think there's a Bible sold in a bookstore that doesn't classify that section of Scripture any differently than the triumphant entry. We are here to celebrate our King. Amen? What are the odds? What are the odds? Are anybody here? Okay, I know you're in church on Sunday morning. Anybody here a gambler? Gambled in the past. You've never bought lotto tickets? You're financially well off? Okay. Yeah, thank you, Dale, for your honesty. I don't like gambling. I'm going to use the H word. I hate gambling because I don't like to lose money and not receive anything in return. When I give money away, I want to get something, right? I want to get something back. Now, occasionally, my wife and I pass for the church. I've gone to the casino and did the bingo for fun with friends. But I don't run out there and start throwing all the rest of my money in the slot machine because I'm trying to win it big because I got bills to pay. I don't do that. And I don't like even playing bingo because that's $300 out, gone, $300. You want to play all the cards? $300 out. And what if you don't win? Oh, man, that's how I feel. Can't stand it. Hate gambling. But what are the odds? The odds are against the house. No, the odds are against you. Now, why did I say all that? Because we're going to talk about odds today. We're going to talk about odds. What are the odds? Golfers in the house? I'm looking for friendly golfers, okay? I moved here to Yuba City. I don't know anybody that golfs. I haven't golfed in two years because I don't have any golf friends here. I'm a golfer. You wouldn't imagine because now I power lift, so I don't golf anymore because I can't turn. You know, I'd be lucky if I can get this left arm to parallel. Um... But I golf a lot when I used to golf. I used to golf two to three times a week. Yeah, I used to golf a lot. And I played down south, and I played in, uh, in the SCGA Twilight Tournament Leagues, and I used to keep an index, and, and I was serious about golf. When I played golf, I wanted to make sure you lost. I didn't play golf for fun. I played golf to win. I do everything to win. I'm sorry, I do. I do everything to win. I, there's fun that comes in it, but I don't play to lose. I'm, a, I'm not a sore loser, but I play to win. I play sports to win, right? So, triumphant entry weekend for Jesus, right? Well, I was thinking about golf, and I'm a golfer, so the triumphant return of Tiger Woods this week. 13 months ago, Tiger Woods got in a horrific car accident, not his first. Horrific car accident. We don't know why. We love you, Tiger. Play well today in your red and black. Um... But Tiger Woods returned to golf this weekend in the Masters Tournament, a tournament that he's won five times. If he wins one more time, he ties Jack Nicklaus' all-time record for most Masters wins. And Tiger Woods, we all know, come on, Jack was the GOAT back in the days, but Tiger Woods is the GOAT of golf. Nobody's better than Tiger Woods. Nobody probably ever will be better than Tiger Woods, not in the competitive field today. So to see Tiger Woods come back in his mid-40s and win the Masters Tournament two years ago, was quite a sight to see. I cried in church. I was sitting in church, this was a few years back, we were in Escondido, 
The whole time the pastor was talking, I was watching the Masters tournament on my phone, on video, and I'm going like, I'm going, you know, he took out Molinari like in, in uh, Heaven's Corner, and Molinari put one in the water, and I saw Tiger lean over to his caddy and started talking, and Tiger knew he was going to take it, and he did. He won the Masters that year. I cried. And so I'm sharing this because we're going to talk about odds. What are the odds? What are the odds for Jesus here? Well, what are the odds? What were the odds for Tiger? When Tiger went into the weekend, they said Tiger has 101 odds to win. So if you bet five bucks on Tiger, you could win 500 if he won the Masters. Well, yesterday he shot, he four putted uh, one, of the, one of the greens yesterday, and he's seven over par this morning when he started, and the leader of the tournament's nine under par. So he's 16 strokes off the lead. What are the odds of Tiger winning today? Well, if you bet $5 last night, you were going to win $10,000. It was 2,001 to 1. 2,001 to 1 odds. Now, if you had 2,001 to 1 odds in the lottery for the United States, would you play every week? Probably. I think some of us would be like, man, I'll buy a ticket for three bucks. I'll buy three tickets at 2,001 to 1 odds. That's not bad odds. Not a gambler, though. So... <laughs> I was just thinking about this over and over, and, and I, again, I'm not a gambler. I just looked all this up last night because I wanted to bring it up. Like, let's look at these odds. So what, what are the odds? So Tiger went in 101. Then he finished, he finished day one. Then they said he's not going to make the cut. But he finished one under par that day. He shot 71. Tiger finished one under par on Thursday, and then he did some practice rounds, and his odds went way down. They went down to 50 to 1. And then yesterday he four, he four putted and, and he, he lost it. He's getting old, he's tired, can't play with the young guys anymore. So, what are the odds? Well, let's talk about prophecy. Because we're not here to talk about Tiger Woods. We're here to talk about who? Jesus Christ, that's right. And today we're going to talk about Jesus of Nazareth. Because at this point in time that we're going to talk about, he's not the Christ yet. He's the, he's the king, but he hasn't. He hasn't fulfilled his purpose yet. And we're going to talk about the odds. I got some interesting notes here. What were the odds of Jesus being the son of God? What were the odds? How many people were walking on the planet at that time? It, 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 it sometimes baffles me when you look at history. Documents have been kept over time for history. Okay. Documents have been kept over time for history. There's, there's, there's atheistic scholars, atheistic historians. They have a scale. I strongly disagree. I disagree. I'm neutral. I agree. I strongly agree. You take every atheistic scholar, historian, and all that, they're all, I strongly agree that Jesus Christ was a person who lived 2,000 years ago and he was crucified by the Roman Empire. They all strongly agree to that. Why? Because it happened, but because there's history points to this happening. Now there's some other stuff. There's this thing called the Book of Moses, the Torah, the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's all these documents that have been saved down and recorded and rewritten through history, and today you have a Bible, okay? Now, 
one scholar, J. Barton Payne, he says he found as many as, many as 574 verses in the Old Testament, which is a book today that you hold that's been translated over and over and over from ancient documents. He says he's found as many as 574 verses in the Old Testament that somehow point to or describe or reference a coming Messiah. Okay? Alfred Eidersheim, he found 456 Old Testament verses referring to the Messiah. We're going to be conservative here. Conservatively, I didn't say you were a conservative. Conservatively, Jesus fulfilled at least 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. Did you get that number? I had somebody say this one time, and I thought that was the most outrageous, ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. They said, the odds of Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies that were written in the Old Testament was that you could take the entire state landmass of Texas and fill it four feet high with quarters and take one quarter and throw it in there and the odds of you finding that quarter would be the same as all the odds against Jesus fulfilling all the prophecies in the Old Testament about himself. Did that just blow your mind? Four feet thick quarters across the landmass of Texas, the one quarter, the odds are the same. Well, do the math on that. Well, let's look at it. I gave you the odds on Tiger. Let's look at the odds on Jesus. A mathematician named Peter Stoner, no pun intended, he counted the probability of one person fulfilling a small number of prophecy. He concluded the chance of a single man fulfilling just 48 of the prophecies found in the Old Testament would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. You want to know the math on that? By those of us who don't understand what that means, that means a number 1 with 157 zeros after it. Kelly's, Kelly's a teacher. <laughs> so look. Jesus fulfilled over, over 300 conservatively speaking, prophecies in the Old Testament about who he was. And yet we have people that come in and out of everyday life and go, I don't believe it. It's not real. No such thing. Didn't happen. Well, we're going to read today four stories of the triumphant entry, just another one of the prophecies being fulfilled. We're going to start in Matthew. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. Now when, the, when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Interesting. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. Pause right there. You're going to get the same breakdown in a few of these verses here. What are the odds that I'm hanging out with Michael right now, and we're going to say we're going to go out after church to Sizzler, 
But when we leave, I say, go over to that Pride gas station there, and there's going to be a bicycle tied up next to one of the pumps. It's going to look like it's locked up, but it's not. And when the owner comes up and asks you what you're doing, I need you to tell him that the Lord needs it, and he'll let it go, and you'll bring it to me, and then I'm going to ride to Sacramento and give an evangelistic message. I mean, it's, it's, that's what just happened in this story. Jesus said, hey, go into that town over there. You're going to find a colt. This story says a donkey and a colt. I'll point that out. It's a colt. But it says you're going to find a donkey and a colt. Go get it. And when you go to take it, the owner's going to want to know what you're doing. You're going to say it's for the Lord. And he's going to let you take it. He's going to send it with you. Would you believe that probably in this story there was a divine intervention, kind of similar to some people when, like, Paul was blinded, and then uh, the man that was in the town, and the, the, the Lord showed up in a vision to him and said, hey, Paul's coming to see you. Wouldn't you imagine that something like this has probably taken place with the owner of these donkeys? Because if two strangers came up into my village and went and tried to untie my truck out of the driveway and said that Skip needed them for worship, I'm going to have a problem. Probably not going to let you take my truck. Now, this is what's happened in this story. Because what were the methods of transportation in those days? These animals. So this is like me saying, I need your car. So let's keep going. Uh, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. All this was done. Saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt. The foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt. The story uses two animals here. Laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches. Thank you, Dan. Cutting these branches today. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Save now. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, you who's come from the house of David. We don't know you. We don't know whose bloodline you're from. You're the carpenter's kid. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Mark 11. We're going to read these different stories. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. It's an interesting Point, I want you to grab a hold of that. A colt on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately, he will send it here. Same thing. That same thing. If anyone says to you, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it. I'm telling you that these people had to have received this divine intervention from the Holy Spirit that said, they, they knew. They knew the scripture because there was scripture about this. It was already written that the king would come into the city on a colt. This was prophesied. Now, 
So it says, so they went on their way, and they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the colt? What are you doing, taking my truck? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they didn't sit there and say, you know, this Jesus guy's crazy. He's going to get us killed. He's going to get us arrested. You know, they didn't come in and go, okay, look, our buddy, he's our, he's our teacher. He believes that he's the Messiah. He sent us here to get your colt, and he said that we needed to tell you this. Now, no problem. Don't want any beef. Don't, you know, they didn't do any of that. Faith, faith driven. They just went in and did exactly what Jesus said. What are you doing taking my car? The Lord needs it. Oh, there you go. Here's keys. You know, this is amazing, you guys. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father, who? David, that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into the Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all the thing, at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Key point there. If you really read, like, let's look at the context here. It says that, so he went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Do you know what happens right after this story? This is because Jesus just came in, took a look around the temple, and he's like, I don't like things that are going on. And the next morning, he's going to go in there and start flipping tables. He's going to go in there and, 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 and get crazy with what's going on. He's going to go in there and shake the house. Okay? So it says he went in, he looked at all these things. As the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany. Okay, now we're going to look at the story from Luke. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he knew, drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, whereas you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. There it is again. A colt on which no one has ever sat. What are the odds that there was a colt in the town that he was sending them and that it was never sat on? Strange odds. I mean, if you owned horses and you had ponies, wouldn't you be putting your little kids on them and letting the little kids come and jump? Like, that's just what we do, Right? We parade animals today. You think they didn't do that then? They did. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Here you go. Take it. Take it. Take my keys. Shut up. Take my keys. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he has said to him. Just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? I like that every, every version of the story, the owners saw it. The owners saw what was going on. It wasn't too far away. They weren't in the house with their backs turned. Jesus said every time, Jesus knew they were going to be asked. And Jesus knew exactly what to say. It shows that there was divine intervention from the Holy Spirit of the owners of these colts. Okay, it's here in three different stories. But as they were loosing the colts, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said to them, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had been saying. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Man, he, he put these guys down. He always had something to say to these guys. And it wasn't sarcastic, but it was blunt. It was to the point. He was direct, always. And he would say things that would leave them where they didn't know how to respond. Right? Now we're going to look at John chapter 12. It's not in your notes. I put it on the board up, up here because uh, I didn't have room for it in the, in the sheet. John 12. So this story is in all four of your Gospels. John 12. The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Save now! Exclamation point. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Well, you remember 33 years earlier when somebody said there was a king born in Israel, there was a king of the Jews? The king king wasn't too happy about that, right? Here they're doing it again. The king of Israel. Then Jesus went. He had found a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. There's a prophecy, just one of them. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. Coming. Sitting on a donkey's colt. So let's look at some interesting things from this story about this prophecy. Remember I said the odds of 48 prophecies coming true would be 1 in 10 to the 157th power. 1 with 157 zeros after it. Now if you wanted to multiply that up to over 300, the number just doesn't times by 5. That number grows exponentially. So, I mean, would it be a thousand zeros after that? I don't know. A lot. First thing we're going to talk about is the cult. This cult. What did this cult represent? What did the cult represent? Well, you remember that, let's see, 1,500 years before this time, children of Israel left Egypt. They went into the desert where they wandered for 40 years. Pretty much like within a few weeks time they were ready to go to where they were going and they were there and then they weren't allowed to pass and they wandered around in circles for 40 years. Now during that time they built this amazing place to worship God and God gave them all these instructions. I like that, instructions. And they built the tabernacle, right? It was made by human hands. It was portable. Have you ever, so Bibi and I went to this, uh, Bibi and I went to this really cool event where they built a tabernacle at this church. It was built and designed from everything from the scripture. It was super cool. We walked up and it had the sheets all the way around, purple, the scarlet, the colors, Everything, it was, it was radical to see this. It was awesome, dude. And um, so we went in there and we looked around and they had everything set up. The altars and the objects. And what do you know about these altars and the objects? I will tell you something you need to know about them. They were sacred objects. The cult represented, the cult, that's number one, the cult. 
The cult represented sacred objects have never been used for any reason at that time. When an object was sacred, it had not been used. Now we know that the, 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 the objects that were at the tabernacle were repetitively used over and over. But when they were first used, they had never been used. They were consecrated. They were sacred. These objects had never been used. This cult, that's why Jesus said, you're going to go and find a cult that no one has ever sat. So this sacred object was going to carry in what? The sacrifice. That's what the cult represented. The sacred object bringing the sacrifice. Okay? Number two, we're going to look at some of the prophecies fulfilled here in this story. Two. Your king is coming on a cult. We read it here in, I think, in John. Yes. But Matthew 21, 5 and Zechariah 9, 9. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Who? Daughter of Jerusalem? Your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. He's here to save. Your king is coming to save you. Save him from what? Have you read the law of Moses? Have you read the entire book of Leviticus? Deuteronomy? Numbers? Have you read these books? There were so many laws. It was like what we live in now. I mean, it was like, there was hundreds of laws. You had the Ten Commandments, but there were a lot of other laws. A lot of other rules. Things that you and I struggle with today. So what were they going to be saved from? They were going to be saved from the fact that they could never meet the expectations of the law. Paul talked about that later. Their king was coming on a sacred object to be what? To be sacrificed. So rejoice oh, greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt. The foal of a donkey. So Jesus knew this prophecy. Everybody knew this. This was in the law. These were things that were read in the temple. Right? What are the odds that Jesus is on this three-year mission journey with these 12 guys he's been pouring himself into? You want to know what it is to multiply yourself? Jesus did it with 12 guys and three he was close to. You don't have to reach 1,000 people, guys. We don't have to have 1,000 people. I just need you to multiply into 12 and get three really close to you. And then they multiply into 3 and 12. And then they multiply in 3 and that's what, this is, that's, that's what this is about. I'm multiplying into you and you multiply into others. That's what we do. So Jesus came lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this, this prophecy had been written by the prophet Zechariah. Jesus knowing it, knowing he was coming in Jerusalem. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew what lied ahead, but he didn't tell anybody these things. He did at the Last Supper, but at this point, he's still not telling anybody these things. And what are the odds that he says, Dale, an angel, I need you to go over here to Marysville. You're going to find a colt tied. I want you to bring it here. It's a colt on which no one has ever sat. And I want you to bring it to me. 
And when the owners come and tell you, what are you doing? Or when they ask you, what are you doing? You say, the Lord needs it. And then you went and you did it and you found the colt. What are the odds of that? I love that we're going to talk about all these things that the disciples have seen. Because next week we're going to talk about some more of that. So then in Matthew 21, 5, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was the prophecy fulfilled. It was written in Matthew. That was exactly what they wrote and saw in Zechariah. So bullet point A was your king is coming on a colt. Bullet point A, your king is coming on a colt, on a lowly colt. It wasn't a big stud horse. It wasn't a double back hump camel with the, you know, with the, with the drapes and the shade covering or any of that. It was just a lowly colt, the foal of a donkey. <laughs> a, a colt that had never been sat on, hadn't even been used. Maybe it had never been sat on because it was lame. Maybe it had never been sat on for other reasons. I don't know. B, Hosanna. Hosanna means save now. They shouted Hosanna. Save now. The people that saw this triumphant entry, entry, the people that were there, his disciples, and the great multitude it talks about, what did they say? Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Those people saw Jesus coming on that colt, and they knew that was the coming king. Now, did anybody know that the king was going to get killed by the religious leaders next week? No. But they believed that Jesus was their king. They understood scripture. These are people that went to the temple. These are people that came in here and sat every week and listened to us read and teach. But then they believed something that was going to go against what the people were up here saying. But they believed it. And they shouted it. It says they shouted it. Hosanna in the highest. Our king is here. Right? That's what we celebrate this Sunday. Jesus Christ came onto this earth in the form of a man. He ministered for three years. He came in on a sacred object to the city where he was going to be put up on a cross. But you see, no one saw that. No one saw that he was riding in on a sacred object in preparation for a sacrifice. But Jesus saw that. Jesus knew what the scriptures meant. Jesus understood the law. Jesus understood the ways of the tabernacle. Sacrifice, like the covenant, blood must be shed. There, there will be blood. Don't watch that with your kids. See, blessed is he who comes. Jesus was blessed. You are blessed because Jesus comes. You are blessed because Jesus came, because Jesus set you free from what you can't do for yourself. That's salvation through grace. There is no, works are not going to get you to heaven. I don't care. There's nothing about you being good that's going to get you there. Good works, that is the fruit of salvation, period. It's not in your notes. Good works is the fruit of your salvation. It is the evidence that you know Jesus Christ and that you are seeking him. That is the evidence. You will do good works because you will be changed, because you will have repented. You will understand. You will understand your sin nature, and out of you will spew good works. Those works aren't what's going to get you to heaven. 
They're just evidence of your fruit. So, D, blessed is the house of David. They claimed, blessed is the house of David. This is a part of the prophecy. Because it was promised that the coming Messiah would come from the bloodline of David. Blessed is the house of David. So they knew. Now, did these people know that this was, Je- this was Jesus was from Nazareth, who was from, uh, 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 now the bloodline comes through, Dave, uh, through Joseph, the carp- Joseph, who was also a carpenter. So did they know that this guy was a relation to David? No. But they shouted what had been prophesied about him, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes from the house of David. Blessed is the house of David. Hosanna, save now. They knew this was their coming king. And the temple people, the religious leaders, they did not like this. What did they say to him? Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Don't let them say these things about you. You're not our king. You're not a king. Bullet point three, last point. And I'm right on time. That's awesome. Four versions of the same story. Why is this important? Why is it important to point out there's four versions of the same story? Well, I'm going to tell you why. If I was out in this parking lot here, sitting here, everybody left for church, I'm in my car for an hour, I'm on the phone. And some stranger drives in and parks by the Star of India and gets out, looks around, sees that nobody's here, and breaks in to the Star of India. Police come, they find him outside. I get out of my car and I say, I saw that man break in to the the Star of India. I am one witness, and in the court of law in California in the United States, by the testimony of one witness, you'll be guilty. There are four testimonial written gospels about Jesus, and they all have the wording is a little different. I'll tell you why. Because if we all watch the same thing happen and talk about it three years from now, we're all going to tell the same story with different variations of the way we saw it take place. Your four Gospels are by two eyewitness accounts and two people who wrote down what they were told by eyewitness accounts. Four eyewitness accounts. Okay? And four versions of the same story. Triumphant entry. Four different individuals saw this exact thing take place. Four different individuals saw the palms. They saw the king come riding in on the colt. They saw all these things take place and they wrote it in a book. Four people. But no one wants to believe it today. No one wants to believe this today. They want to wake up on Sunday and go to work and make more money. They want to go to a baseball game. They want to watch football. It's 17, 20 weeks of football. Football's coming in the summer. Football will take over. They don't want to accept the truth. They have four witnesses here. Over 300 prophecies. In the book. How many of you have a Bible at home? I'm counting. Hands back up. Oh, I said hands back up. All of a sudden, every hand went up. (laughs) You each hold the same book, written in different versions by different people. Thank William Tyndale for that. 
talk about him one day. William Tyndale, yeah. He's the guy who got the Bibles printed out to everybody and got killed over it. True, true story. Four versions of the same story. Four different people said, hey, this guy rode in a, on a colt that had never been sat on, sacred object. He's our king. That's our coming king. That's our salvation. That's our Messiah. This is who we've been waiting for. Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Save us now. Anybody here a sinner? Oh, okay, time out. I got a really good thing I heard in a yesterday's message at school. Uh, Yolanda Spencer, she's been Foursquare a really long time. Her husband's Jan Spencer. If anybody does anything with education with Foursquare, Jan and Yolanda have been pastors a very long time. And at a certain point, they both went on, got their master's degrees, and decided to start teaching. Because they felt that once they were done pastoring, that the best thing that they could do is pass on all the information they have. And they're awesome. She said something yesterday that was so interesting. She said, you're not a sinner anymore now that you're saved. You're just a human who sins. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like the way that sounds because that's right. A sinner is not saved. Lord, I'm a sinner. You know the ABC prayer? Admit that you're a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner. We're unsaved. I'm a sinner. Today we're not sinners. Today you're a human that sins. Why? This gospel message. Your king came to save you from that sin. Your king came to rescue you from being a sinner so that you didn't have to be a sinner. Your king, made, your king came and died on a cross so that you could be what? Holy. That's the opposite of being a sinner. You are declared holy right now in your skin. And you're going to sin today, and you're going to sin tomorrow, and you're going to sin next month, and you're going to sin next year, and you're going to sin the day you die. If the Lord doesn't come back first, I'm waiting on that. But you're, you're holy in God's sight. And to be holy in God's sight means what? You're without sin. So you are not a sinner. You are a human who sins. You are a believer who is plagued with sin. That's it. She's got four versions of the same story, guys. Next week, thank you, Dale, we're not going to celebrate the death of Jesus because we're not going to be here on Friday to talk about it okay we're going to celebrate his resurrection because our king is alive amen our king is what come on I'm going to hear you say it our king is what our king is alive our king is alive Woo! Hosanna in the highest save us now I'm really looking forward to next week, guys. I did have a praise report. My aunt, the one who's online from far away in Las Vegas. Um, we prayed for her a few weeks back. I don't know if you know. We prayed for her a few weeks back here in service. I prayed for quite a few of us. And they had found uh, a growth in her brain. And that came back benign. Amen. Amen. So, praise God, you guys. Our king saves this church, Foursquare, we believe in healing and deliverance. Why? 
Her founder was healed. Amy Semple McPherson was healed. She was on her deathbed, healed, prayed. God, what do you want me to do? A voice spoke to her and said, go and preach. And then she was made well. And you want to know what she did? She preached till the day she died. Preaching probably killed her. She was, she was so sick in her final days that she would get out of bed and preach there at Angela's Temple and then go lay back down because she was so sick. But she preached until the day she died. So you know what our job is? Our job is to show up here every Sunday and preach the word of God. Our job is to come here every Sunday and let people know that there is freedom from self. There is freedom from the bondage of sin. Our job is to let them know that their king came on a lowly colt, a sacred object. He rode into Jerusalem. He shook things up. He was put on a cross. And he resurrected on the third day. And that their king, who they don't know yet, is alive. That is what we are here to do. And we got to do that more than just when we're here. And when you have that grace through salvation, that salvation through grace, good works are going to spew out of you. It's going to be the evidence. And when people hang out with you, they're going to look at you and say, there's something about you that's different than most of the other people I know. What is it? And when they finally figure it out, they're going to know it's you love Jesus. They're going to know that Jesus lives inside of you. Jesus the, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we believe they are one. Our four, our four square symbol, Jesus our Savior, Jesus our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, Jesus the healer, and Jesus our second coming king. Our king is alive. Amen? I'm fired up. I'm ready for next week. Easter Sunday, baby. Woo! All right, let's pray. Father, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you... I thank you that you had a plan that was so perfect that no one could understand it. No one could understand it. Father, you prepared the way. You had over 300 things written. Some people found as much as 500 to say exactly what would take place. And you sent yourself in physical form. And you came and you fulfilled every one of those prophecies. And you raised yourself up on the third day. And now you filled us all with your spirit. Father, we thank you for what you do. We thank you for this church. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for everything. We thank you, thank you, thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.